Turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1. I'll try not to talk out of order today. I've got a lot of things on my mind. James chapter 1. All right. Verse 2 says this, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Let's talk about joy. You know what isn't joyful? Winter. I can't remember a single time where I've ever gone out into the cold and danced like David danced. I do remember, though, one time when I was 19 years old, and I was in Great Lakes, Illinois, and I was walking down a road in February. And if you've ever been to Great Lakes, Illinois, the wind blows, the, the wind is trying to kill you. Like, it's unbelievable. You got to lean into that junk to make sure you're going to end up in the direction that you're walking in. I, in boot camp, the, you know, in boot camp, I don't know what it's like. It's really easy now. It's kind of like going to Chuck E. Cheese now. But back in my day, when you had to earn the right to be in the armed forces, there were people stationed all throughout the base. You know what their job was? To find a recruit doing anything they weren't supposed to be doing. Not walking correctly, not walking on the right side of the street. Not, it's just, if there were two of you not walking in sync, I mean, you just, anything you can think of, Hat blew off. Oh, you're not wearing a cap. Well, the wind blow, you're not wearing a cap. I mean, just, that's how they were. Knowing all of this, knowing that my division is fighting to be one of the very few to ever be considered a Hall of Fame division, I am walking against this wind, shouting obscenities at the top of my lungs. That's how much there's no joy in winter or wind in Great Lakes, Illinois. I didn't care if I cost my whole division something that is very prestigious in the United States Navy. I hated it that much. You know what else I can't stand? I can't stand when somebody smokes a Boston butt and overcooks it so that my barbecue sandwich has dry pork on it. <laughs> Some of you need to, you don't, you're, no, you don't. You don't know, okay? No, your daddy wasn't. I don't care. I'm going to tell you the truth, okay? This ain't upward smoking, all right? You need to leave it to the pros. I can't stand that. Yesterday, I went through the, the line at uh, one of my best friend's funeral. Man, there was some dry pork there. I was so mad. He would have been mad, too. You know what else I can't stand? There's no joy in it. Gluten-free pizza. Like, what sorry, depressed soulless, miserable individual sat around and thought, you know what we need? We need a good gluten-free pizza. 
Because if we're going to be sorry, let's be really sorry. <laughs> now, what else I can't stand? There's no joy in an intersection with four stop signs where everybody gets there at the same time. <laughs> like you, I love, so I finally, finally got into this place in my life where things that used to like, eat me up, like I'd be so anxious I was losing my mind, right? They don't bother me as much anymore. One of the things that used to bother me, silence, doesn't bother me so much anymore. I don't get stressed out at a four-way stop when everybody gets there at the same time anymore. But some of you do. And man, can you, you know who they are, right? You can see it, the, their posture and everything. When we all get there at the same time, you can tell this person's going to go, shoo-poo, and go. Because I just don't want, I don't want, I don't know. And so I just sat there. I like to sit there and watch everybody's face and just nod and look and smile. Who's going to finally break? There's no joy at a four-way stop when everybody gets there at the same time. You know where else is there's no joy? When there's options. <laughs> Anybody ever talk to anyone who does anything? And there's different ways of doing it? You know how miserable that is? I sat with uh, Greg's brother yesterday, Jason. Some of you who went to Mexico, you know him. He, he's the missionary we support who leads our Mexico mission trip. And we're talking about exercising. And I'm listening to him talk about how he lifts. And he's literally telling me the exact opposite of everything I just watched in a video by one of the people that he got all his information from. And so I start asking questions, and then we start talking about other things. And I, and I finally said to him, because, again, I don't care for upward sports, and so I ask questions because I want to know. And if it causes a little friction, that's fine. And I finally asked them, I just said, hey, you realize you literally are saying the exact opposite of so-and-so, who you just actually quoted in your reference about squatting. Like, what am I supposed to do with options? There's no joy in options, Right? NASB? NKJV? KJV? NLT? No joy in options. Anybody ever talk to anyone who takes vitamins? You know what you should take. Okay. Babe, check it out. I, yeah, we got what Barbara O'Neill says that that'll kill you. Like I spend so much of my life just eked up and anxious because there's so many ways of doing things, and everyone you talk to does it differently and says the other person doing it their way is wrong, and you're going to die. I'm trying to be serious the rest of the time. I want to tell you a true story. Uh, I spoke at the funeral of one of the best friends I'll ever have yesterday. Don't worry, I got it. I got this. I struggled not, 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 not so much with my mental perspective. I wasn't angry at God. I didn't, I didn't doubt God. I struggled with behavior. Like what, what, is, what does joy look like in sorrow? 
And I began to think to myself, there's probably other people that struggle with it too. And the thing about Satan is he loves when the church struggles with things like this. Doesn't he? What, what am I supposed to do? What, is my, what should my face look like, right? I don't know how much you think that you know me, but I really struggle with pretending that I'm in a mood I'm not in. <laughs> Some of you do too. I, I, also, I also feel like if we are really going to be the kind of church that relates to each other on a familial level, we're not impersonal, I'm not untouchable, okay, You're, you, you don't belong to me, I don't belong to you, we belong to one another. If, we, if we're going to have a relationship like that, then you need to really know who I am. Because I think one of the things that James is talking to, and some of the things that he says subsequently in his epistle, lead me to believe that this is a correct assumption, is that consider it all joy when you encounter, and see that word trials isn't just what you think it is. It's hardship. It's, it's having to persevere through whatever you are struggling to get through, even if it is the fact that someone isn't excited to see you. If someone says something to you and it kind of has a little, are you talking to me or talking at me? You ever had a conversation like that? Like, how do we persevere and love one another? What our culture tells us is you need to get all that out of your life. Anything that you do. Here's what I hate about memes and quick little 30-second things that so many people post. There's so much missing context. If someone is in your life and all they're doing is being toxic, what does that mean? You just blast it out there, and now we're all just going, well, I just get to decide what toxic is for myself. And we already talked about last week that we don't get to decide for ourselves. We're the slave of God through Christ Jesus. He determined. Sometimes I have to push and persevere through your toxic attitude because God has decided he's going to reach you through me. And it might cost me a little peace. It might cost me a, this whole demonic idea that anything that's a little bit troubling, just get rid of it. If you don't like it, just don't do it. If you don't like them, just don't be around them. And so what we do is we're so Trigger happy, if you will. We're so knee-jerk quick to label everything that causes us a little bit. Well, that's just toxic. And the internet tells me I need to get that out of my life. <laughs> Mate, listen. Should you get toxicity out of your life? You have to go to the Lord and let him help you discern that. Not whom. We talked about the great prophet Google last week. We don't go to the internet. Maybe the Lord's plan. How do you not know the words of Mordecai to Esther? That it was for this very day you were born. 
to endure. How do you not know that this is your cross to carry? To endure everything that this person throws at you because yes, even them, the Lord's going to reach them through you. Ask God what your will be done. Amen? God knew we would be here long before we were here. Isn't that something? Like, I've been meaning to start the epistle of James for months, but different things have determined not yet. The Lord kept orchestrating, well, hold on, let's do this first, and let's do this first. And today of all days, I stand before you, and we're at the place. Consider it all joy. C.S. Lewis says this about joy. Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the beach. We are far too easily pleased. Another scholar wrote this, and I wasn't going to use this because this person is so old, like we don't know anybody he refers to. But the context you'll get. People have pursued joy in every avenue imaginable. Some have successfully found it, while others have not. Perhaps it would be easier to describe where joy cannot be found. Number one, it's definitely not found in unbelief. Voltaire was an infidel of the most pronounced type, and he wrote, I wish I had never been born. It's not found in pleasure. Lord Byron lived a life of pleasure if anyone did, and he wrote, the worm, the canker, and grief are mine alone. It's not found in money. Jay Gould, the American philanthropist and millionaire, had plenty of that. Yet when dying said, I suppose I am the most miserable man on earth. Not in position and fame, for Lord Beaconsfield enjoyed more than his share of both. He wrote, youth is a mistake, manhood is a struggle, old age a regret. And it's not found in earthly or military glory, for Alexander the Great conquered the known world in his day. Having done so, he wept in his tent before he said, there are no more worlds to conquer. Where then is real joy found? The answer is simple, in Christ alone. We talk about this verse in James chapter 1. We talk about it a lot. It finds its way into many of the sermons that you hear here at Generations Church. And yet it was interesting because this week as I was reading through it again, I'm going to be honest with you, I approached it and said, Lord, is there even anything you can show me new about this? 
And it's, it's, it's unbelievable because I read, I read the verse and all I read was consider. And I stopped. And he said, look there. I then began to wonder, do I, do I understand what it means to consider? I know how it's defined as we use it in the English language, but what does this Greek word translated consider mean? There's four things I want to share with you real quickly this morning, and then I'm going to show you behavior of joy in Scripture. Number one, this word consider contains within it this idea to accept we believe. You hear people say things in our culture today like it is what it is. Let me tell you something right there. That is a statement of acceptance that is very powerful. It is what it is. There's no pressure to change it is what it is, is there? You can't change it is what it is. It has happened and it doesn't consider your likes or your dislikes or your schedule. It has happened and didn't consider you at all. And you understand and accept that. But it also has within it this idea that we receive truth. It's a cognitive decision that we make. At the end of the day, after all, that's what most of us are battling, right? What's going on right here? That's why we read and have scriptures from our Heavenly Father who loves us so much that there's a tension to this idea that we take every thought captive and we make it obedient as unto Christ. We make it obedient unto ourselves so often and we put so much effort into that. Let's just put a little more effort into giving God glory in what goes on in our heads. Amen? It's not about our feelings. We've talked about that so many times. Feelings sometimes sync up with what's going on. Sometimes they don't. Scripture rarely mentions them. Evidence may or may not support it, but it's still true. Consider it all joy. It just is all joy. Do you feel joyful right now? I don't know what that means. But it is joy. It has, a, it, it has a sense of this idea that consider means to, to approve. We see clearly that God's allowing tests. And, and, and it's not just that it's a fact of life, but it's also for our own benefit. Nothing God does, nothing God allows is pointless. God turned the world over. Listen to this for just a minute. God turned the world over to the devil and still didn't give it to him. God gave the world to Satan and still didn't give it to him. There's still a, per there's still a point even in the most pointless 
acts, even in the most pointless events, even in the most hurtful thing, God allows these trials. He allows these tests. It is to his glory in how we respond and for our benefit as a disciple maker. Some of the most profound things that have impacted me the most deeply have come from men and women of God who have given their lives to this idea that Jesus meant what he said when he said, go into all the world and build disciples of all nations. And they have taken that seriously. And they have sat with me and ministered to me. And it is amazing the impact, their personal stories of God having moved in their life. It is unbelievable how that impacts us. Satan has jumped on so many of your backs and told you you don't know enough scripture to make disciples. Let me tell you something right now. If you just start quoting me Bible verses, at some point I'm going to glaze over and pass out. It's not that those things aren't powerful, but what's missing is the context of why is this important coming from you? What is God doing in your life? Those are the things that impact us. And there are so many impactful stories that come from a place of pain, of trial, of loss, of suffering, of overcoming such things. The testimony of the hand of God can move in even your life and even now. Someone at some point, let me ask you this. Man, I hate that I think this way sometimes. I didn't write this down, but it just popped in my head. If it cost you everything that someone else might know Jesus, would you pay that price? Think about it. That, oh man, that is what our God has asked of us. He may cash that check. He may not. But listen, when it crosses my desk, I don't want it to disrupt me. You know what I'm saying? I don't want it to, I don't want God to, to, to say, it is for this moment that you were born. It was for this. It's going to cost you everything, but there is so many. I don't want to, I don't even want to flinch. You know what I'm saying, church? There's this idea within this word consider also that we, that, that, that this of, of declaration. This is about admission. This is about speaking into existence. Again, it's not about feeling. It's not about evidence. When I've gone through something difficult, I, I oftentimes, I don't want to admit the truth about what I know. You know what I'm saying? We get up sometimes. There were even some folks that said it yesterday. What this family needs today is not to hear that God still has a plan. Yes, they do. Speak the truth into the lies of the enemy. Like if we can get to a place when in our, greater, in our greatest sorrow, we could still say God has a plan. God is still working. God is still faithful. I don't want to ever be at a place where my sorrow makes me not want to hear that.
they're in a better place. It's not just an assurance. It's a, te- it's a testament of God's goodness and grace. God don't always heal the way you want him to, but he always heals. Their pain is no more as an answer to prayer. Maybe not the answer that you wanted, but we don't really want it the way we want it if that means it costs us the plans that God has, right? There'll be another job opportunity. Stop talking about the one that you didn't get. Trust the Lord. Your child can meet Jesus. Your family member can be transformed. Believe that God is who he says he is. Amen, church? There are people who think the world of you, so stop focusing on those who don't. You get it. You get it. You get it. And then lastly, it means to measure. This is this idea about the process that we go through where God uses the trial to perform our pain and to praise. Now we're about to talk about behavior. Did you know that this doesn't happen overnight? Why are you letting the devil put pressure on you for it too? It didn't happen overnight for Jesus either. What? Yeah, because... Jesus didn't one time tell Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane, go get an acoustic guitar. Let's sing a little better as one day. Let's sing a little gratitude. What did Jesus say? First of all, the Bible says he sweat. He sweat. Depending on, depending on which scholar you side with, some say he sweat blood. Anybody ever done? No, <laughs> Look at Matthew 26 and 39. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. There it is. He ain't dancing like David danced. Is Jesus smiling? Is he happy? What emotion is Jesus feeling right now? I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, we can speculate, but why? I don't know what he's thinking outside of what he's telling us. And I don't know how he's saying it. I don't know the expression on his face. I don't know anything. All I know is that the plan of God, Jesus asked, if you will consider doing this any other way, please do it. That's all I know. Anyone ever wish God would do it differently? That's okay. 
That's okay. So did Jesus. Matthew 27, 46, Jesus says something. I remember when I was a kid, I thought I was so cool because I, re- I learned how to, to, to say this. Church kids, man, they're annoying, aren't they? <laughs> and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, <clears throat> Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Ten years old, I was like, now I'm going to go punch my sister in the face. So Christ-like. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? More currently, culturally translated, why have you turned your back on me? Anyone ever felt like God turned his back on them? That's okay. Jesus did too. One scholar said, these are testings in the active sense when discussing the word consider of experiences that prove a person's intentions. Will you still believe? We put so much pressure on ourselves to be what we're incapable of being. And then we allow the enemy to heap guilt and shame on us that we don't be it. The praise can come after the pain, at least in regard to dancing like David danced. But nobody's going to tell me that even though he was sorrowful and even though he desired another way, that Jesus failed to praise God in his moment of submission to his plan. The fact sometimes that you're turning to God, do you not under, we got to be careful about the structure of church services. Because if you leave here thinking that we worshiped and then we gave offering, and then we listened to a sermon, and then we, you know how much the enemy loves that? No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You walked, you woke up this morning, and you decided to come and be with God's people. Worship. God's glorified. You sang songs put to music about the goodness and the holiness of the great I am. Worship, God was glorified. You've heard teaching on the word of God. Worship, God's glorified. We gave offerings, we surrendered and laid at God's feet. Worship. God was glorified. It looks so many different ways. It looked like drops of blood from a kneeling Savior in a garden who desired another plan but the one God had. Worship. God was glorified. Why? Not my will but yours 
still kneeling, still blood, still sorrow. Someone came down last week during the second service. We had a time of prayer and anointing. They were so distraught about something going on in their life. And I stopped them and I said, look at what you're doing. And I had this big smile on their face and they're like, I thought it was creepy. I was like, the enemy wants you to miss that in this moment of great trial and sorrow, your thought was to turn to the living God. You have, you're all, you have already gone into this worshiping. This idea that, God, we don't need anything from you. Nothing's going to disrupt our relationship with you. Nothing's going to stop us from turning to you. And whether we do or when we do or regardless of whether we do or not get exactly what we wish would happen, not our will but yours be done. Amen? It's not just singing. It's not just singing. It's not just singing. Don't let the devil distract you from the fact that you turn to God. That glorifies him. Last thing I want to leave you, leave you with this. I love this story. I, I love it so much. And what's crazy is it was two years ago that it struck me enough that I put a note in, my, in the margins of my Bible. In 2 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 9, I'm going to give you a second to turn there because I, I know some people like to make little notations and they want to go back. They want to look at it. They want to remember. What's that verse he talked about that one time with that guy named Joe Mama or something like that? Joe Ab. So I'm going to let you get there. When you get there, say, yep. Second Samuel 10, verse 9. Everybody there? Anybody still need a minute? All right, check it out. Now when Joab saw that the battle was set against him in front and in the rear, he surrounded, he selected from all the choice men of Israel and arrayed them against the Arameans. But the remainder of the people he placed in the... in the hand of Abishai, his brother, and he arrayed them against the sons of Ammon. And he said, if the Arameans are too strong for me, Listen to this joy. Then you shall help me. But if the sons of Ammon are too strong for you, then I will come to help you. I love this right here. Talk about joy. Be strong. Let us show ourselves courageous for the sake of our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do whatsoever is good in his sight. How does Joab feel? I don't know. Is he afraid? Does he, does he feel brave? Does he feel bold? Is he anxious? Is he depressed? I don't know. Maybe all the things, as Macy and Stacy like to say. Maybe all the things. 
Maybe you're going through something right now and you feel all the things. It's okay to feel all the things. But regardless of how Joab feels, he considers. Be strong. Let us show ourselves courageous for the sake of our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. I don't know that God will take whatever it is from you. I don't know that he will answer it in the way that you desire that he answers it. I don't know that he won't. What I do know is that we can choose joy regardless of what behavior it may look like. We might come back to that. Let's pray. God, you're a good and holy God every second, every second of every day. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And Father, the things that we're going through we are so thankful for the testimony you're creating in us. I truly believe that we are a people that would pay any price that even one might know your son Jesus, in whose name we pray and who we worship. Amen.